Verse 12 said, but this man, this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he had perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he, after that he had said before that this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, say the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Praise Jesus. Now, where remission of this is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh, praise God. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for, for he is faithful that promise. Amen. Uh, chapter 9, uh, verse, if you go to, let's see. 
but nine verse from verse uh, verse twenty two. It said, "See that that almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no remission." It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God. Not that, nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, had he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And, is, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And then it says, unto them that look for him shall he appeared the what? The second time without sin unto salvation. Praise God. Uh, says, to them that look for him shall he appear what? A second time without what? Without sin unto salvation. Praise Jesus. Um, so this um, second appearance here is speaking about an appearance that is um, appearance that is of Jesus that should come to the soul in a season of salvation right it's unto is a second appearance right them that look for him will he appear again the second time without sin unto salvation praise God um, so, there is the ministry which he will bring. That is, this ministry um, that has to do with salvation is a ministry of the second appearance of Jesus. Um, that appearance is, when you say appear, of course, it's more than just physical appearance. It's talking about the appearance of the, of the Lord himself, that this being who they describe here, right, which, is, which actually is the offering to God, or the offering that is going to God and needs to go to God for man. Praise God. Hallelujah. That him appearing, we know that, um, he will not appear. Um, there's a way that his appearance to the soul happens. 
And what brings his appearance to the soul is there is somewhat a kind of inward reconstruction of his image, of his person, um, to on the inside of him. So you, to appear means you will see an image, right? An image of him. When that image is, is seen by the soul, then that, that he has appeared to such a soul who, to whom that image has been created or has been raised or that image has been built in such a soul. So such a person, there is, to such a person you say, okay, you've, you have an, received an appearance. Praise Jesus. Now, when he say that he's appearing without sin, he's, um, he's speaking about a second kind of, um, a, set, a second, is an appearance of him in a, in a, in a, a particular kind of state um, that the appearances of Jesus to the soul don't all, will not all be at this level. So there is a point where you will see his appearance with sin. There is, then there is a, a place where you see his appearance without sin. Amen. Now, when we say sin here, um, we're not talking about sin that he committed um, because we know that he was without, in all points, without sin. He was tempted yet in all points without sin. So it's not sin that he committed. Sin here is talking, speaking more about, um, like we said, um, praise Jesus, that the Bible says that all men have, all have sinned and have come short of the glory. Praise God. So sin actually means anything that is short is a, is a state that is actually short of the glory of God. That is what sin is. So sin um, is sin is um, sin is, is not just about physical, of course not physical and not just acts. Sin is um, a, sin is like a nature that falls short. Right? Is a is a nature that falls short. Now you can have a person who is not sinning but is with sin. Right? What you say with sin, right? Sin um, still has um, some, there is still a place where sin, you still has, have room for sin. Praise Jesus. You still have what? You still have room for sin. So um, this word without sin is a strong word. It's saying that there is actually an appearance of him that where every 
room for sin has been dealt with, right? Everything that can flow or align with sin has been dealt with. So it's very it's clear that you can see that when, if, when God sees just the image of Christ, just the Christ image, God doesn't see that image without sin. Even though we're not saying that the nature of Christ is sinful. But what we are saying, that's why they use the word with. It's, it's a kind of explanation when they say that he's coming now without sin. It means that that being that is coming the second time is somebody who is beyond sin. Right? It's not person, it's not somebody who, in whom the full remedy against sin has been completed. Praise Jesus. And so that, that place of, that thing without sin is a property, is a most holy property in the spirit. Praise Jesus. So you have what you call the holy place. When it, the fact that they call the place holy doesn't mean that it's completely holy. Holy just means it has some measure of holiness. It has a, a actual, a, a, it has a, a measure, but it's like a measure, an allocation of holiness. It's called, that's why it's called the holy place. You find, means when you get there, you will find the holiness there. That is why it's called the holy place. That place is holy. Praise God. But if something is holy, but you ask you, is it most holy? You say, no, it's not most holy, but it's holy. It means that it hasn't reached the end of holiness. Right? That, that thing called holiness has not been fully completed. The cause of holiness has not been fully completed. So if the cause of holiness hasn't been fully completed, it means there is still room for some for sin. Do you understand? There's still, there's still room forward. There's, it doesn't mean that it's a bad place, that maybe there is, when you go there, you become a sinner. No, far from it, that's not what it means. What it means is, and that's why anything that has to do with priesthood is a, um, is a very intricate business because of the, the, the elusive nature of sin. Um, that sin doesn't appear. Sin is mysterious by nature. So the, the provision to deal with sin has to be sophisticated beyond just the appearance of... The, you mean that they ha- you have to be willing to, to deal with sin, you have to be willing to move beyond what appears and you must be willing to delve into the invisible and, and journey in invisible holinesses because those are the, the places where sins reside. Sin does not reside on the surface. Sin resi- it hides. Sin is a mystery. It was, it's crafted by a spirit whose nature is to hide things. Praise God. So that construction called the holy place, I'm sure 
when you look at maybe the courts of the temple, you'll find, ah, this place actually looks very, very nice. It's not, when you get there, you might feel there's nothing bad here. But you now say, okay, there's a place more holy. It's called the holy place. Until you get to the holy place, you will not realize that there are holinesses beyond the holiness of the courts. You, you won't realize, ah, so you mean that there are more holy things than this? You will not find that out until you, you get to the holy place. When you get there, you now you come into a different world of ordinances and ways of living and way God was able to, through commandments, through ordinances, to be able to carve out a more holy way of living in the wilderness. Right? When you move from Israel, the average Israelite, how they live has a, a certain kind of way. When you see how the Levites live, they have their own kind of separation, which is higher than the, than the average Israelite. But, so you see that, that every level of holiness, there's, there's no way that the people would have been able to, with their own mind and understanding, be able to bring forth such separations of holy life. Right, they wouldn't have been able to just define their own. They wouldn't have known. They wouldn't even know what things they are doing are holy and what things are not holy. Right, they just live the way they do. Praise Jesus, uh, which is the way we as Israelites in the spirit are. Unless instruction comes, there has to be a kind of word, a kind of revelation, a kind of ordinance that has to come from God to, to bring separations in different lives, different way of living. That there's a way that you can, there's a life you can organize that is, doesn't meet standards of holiness in the spirit. And if they just tell you, go and be holy, you will not know what to do. You wouldn't know how. You wouldn't know what to remove from your life, what to take out of your life. You wouldn't know what to shape, what to change, what to stop, what to continue. You wouldn't know. You would just, you would just might assume things. And most of the time, that's what religion does. But it doesn't get it right. Praise God. So, but it takes for there to be a definition. By definition, I mean in terms of life which the soul lives. For there to be definition of holiness, God has to speak. Right, and God has to speak, standard has to be laid out, and then God has to define. Holiness is a definition that comes from God. Praise Jesus. And it's something that God defines against sin. And an invisible sin is an invisible wisdom for living that has married men has married the minds of men and the ways of men. Praise Jesus. So God would define what you call holy place, right? So then he now defined also something called most holy. Praise Jesus. So there is most holy, what you call most holy, is the same thing as holiest. They mean the same thing. So most holy place Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. The most holy place is the same thing as what? The, or the holiest, yes. Um, holiest, most holy. Why is it called holiest? Yes. 
Most holy means, holiest means without sin. Or most holy means without sin. Praise God. So, the, the most holy realm is the realm without sin. The most, or the holiest realm is, is called what? The what? The realm without sin. Without sin. Say without sin. Without sin. So, without sin, bringing man to a place where he is without sin is something that God has to do. Um, and if God doesn't do it, there are many things that man will be limited from. Man will not be able to fulfill his existence, the purpose of exist, his existence without what? Without coming into that place. That is what is called, what he called without sin. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Um, so that um, place that is without sin is a place that every soul must strive to enter. Every person must desire to enter. Every person who God created, every man who God created has a calling calling into the holiest. Praise Jesus. Into what? He has a calling into the holiest. A desire should be within the heart of every person to come into the the holiest of all. Amen. Amen. Um, So it's not not very, very easy to define the life of the holiest. Why? Because when you want to to begin to speak transition from speaking about holy things to now begin to speak from the realm of the holiest, there is a, a different change in there's a different change in, in vocabulary, mindset, in language, in different there, there, there's a different change in because you're dealing with two two different worlds, if I can use it that way. The world with sin and the world without sin, are, they are radically different. They are completely different. They are entirely different. A world with sin and what? And a world without sin. A realm with sin and a realm without sin are completely different. Praise Jesus. The thoughts that are taken in a world with sin are not the same kind of thoughts you take. You say, okay, man in the realm, in a holy place thinking, the kind of thought you think, most of those thoughts will not pass into the holiest because a lot of the thing that's sin marries the conversation. Sin marries the meditation. Sin the presence of sin actually pollutes a lot. Sin does a lot. Sin, um, sin contributes a lot to the framing in terms of how you are, how you relate to the world, how you relate to life, how you relate to God. Sin is there, and then how God will relate with you. God must be conscious that this man has a sin in him. So, even when he's speaking to you, when he's Every, even the words that come to you when you have seen, they are different. 
But when a soul comes into a realm without sin, thing, everything changes. Things change. Things change. The world, the conversation changes. Praise Jesus. A lot of things change. But that kind of conversation, we are not used to that kind of conversation um, because we are f- framed. It said, and there's something what, that the Bible was speaking about in that, I think it was it's this chapter, chapter 9, praise God, um, that they being purged, they would have had no consciousness of sin. Right, that was how, praise God, that was the way that he um, used to determine in chapter 9, I think that was chapter 9. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's see. Okay, no, verse chapter 10. Um, let's see. God said, for the Lord having a shadow of good, thing, of good things to come and for the very image of the things. He says, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the commas thereon to perfect. That's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, 4. For then will they not have ceased to be offered because the worshippers once purged should have no more what? That word conscience of sins. That's a very deep word. Amen. You can translate it to say consciousness of sin, but this word is the actual right, correct word to use here. It's called, it said conscience of sin. You know that, you know that conscience is the, is the depth of the heart at the tables where Things are written, right? Conscience is actually the is the is the source where life springs from in the heart. Is because it's what releases the streams of the ways of a man. Is what brings direction to living. Every life which a soul lives is fountained out of laws and things that are written in the conscience. So. Then Hebrews 10 verse 2 is calling that conscience that God wants to, wants to deal with. He's calling it conscience of sins. Right? It's, it's what? Conscience. So you see the place where sin went to magnet itself and stay inside the heart is at the very source. The thing that directs the living of men is, is sin took it as his own and said, this conscience is my own. It's called a conscience of sin. Are you get, so what does that mean is that it makes, when sin is in the conscience, it, it makes it such that the person should not have any space to take a kind of thought without sin being involved. Right? It's, it's, a, it's, like, it's like you go to the source of a, of a water source and you pour a, pollu- a pollutant. Let's say water source that the whole community is using and you pour something. Just go to the source. You're not going everywhere to each house to pollute things. Just going to where the water that flows to every tap is flowing from and just drop something there. What will happen? Is it possible to find any place where that stream flows into that will not be polluted? It's not possible. So that is the thing. That any, any, any pollution in the conscience pollutes, will, will find expression everywhere, in everything. Any p- 
pollution of the conscience will find what? Yeah, so it means that sin, it not only corrupts the mind, sin went down into the heart, not just hanging around somewhere in the heart. Sin went down to the fountain, the depth of where life fountains from, and sin magneted that place. That's where sin, the depth of sin within, the, within man, that's where sin flows from. Are you getting what I'm saying? So because sin has taken that place, it means that both the good thought and the bad thought of a man are sinful. Right, that when the man says, Okay, I want to be bad, and he's bad, sin will be there. The day he says, Okay, I want to be good today, let me do good, sin will also be there. Right, when even when I desire to do good, I found something always with me. That was Romans chapter 7. It was sin that has married him, it's another law in his members. Praise God. Are you seeing that? So, so this thing called conscience of sin is. Sin is a problem. I'm just all I'm trying to, I'm just trying to pay to you is that sin is a problem, uh, and that it's not a problem with a trivial solution. It's a, it's a, it's a major problem. It's a problem that men need to take seriously. Um, it's something that um, you shouldn't just expect to have a trivial answer, like I'm a Christian or like I go to church or like I listen to Reverend K or like I go to fellowship or some, some trivial thing like that. That sin, you, you, like we don't understand the weight and the gravity of the task of dealing with sin. Even the, the kind of profession that sin, the kind of profession, praise Jesus, the kind of profession, like how much how much devotion did, did medical science have to give to be able to deal with some, the, the activity of viruses? Even till today, to be honest with you, till today, medical science has no answer to viruses. Yes. They've, they've conquered bacteria to a degree. And, and bacteria are still very stubborn. There are some that they will just not go. Bring, uh, they, they will bring um, what, antibiotic one, it will not work. Antibiotic two, okay, say, let's combine one and three. Or then let's add four to it. Sometimes it will still not work. It, it depends on what, to a great degree, you have bacteria, you know, bacterial infections. They, they studied, they, they studied. I remember the, one of the things, the greatest discovery they said in the time of, that happened, to humankind, it was the discovery of penicillin, which was, I think it was just after the World War, towards the end of the Second World War, something like that. That's when they discovered it. And, and so, so imagine how many centuries, how long have we been on this earth? How many people have been dying from bacterial infection? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It's because that's something that is inside the body. You understand that? Praise God. Now, and bacteria, the thing with bacteria is it can be localized to a particular tissue or an organ or something. But there's something called virus. Virus is something else entirely. Like with all the, do you know how much investment nations, I'm talking of millions, be almost maybe up to billions if you collate everything that has been put 
done by nations on just the study of viruses, virology, viral infections, all of those things in the body. And the honest truth is that we still do not have the solution to viral infection. When you have a virus, you say, okay, yeah, you just have to wait to take, eat fruits and drink water to help your, your immune system. Do you know what I mean? At, at the end, the body has to decide whether it can handle this thing or not. You know what I mean? Just anything that can... And then we'll just give you some palliative or medicine so you won't die quickly or something. If, do you understand? <laughs> That's what, yeah. Praise God. Like this COVID time exposed a lot of things for some people who have been, who have been, who have been dull about medical medicine. You know, I, I'm not against medical science, of course. All, most of the wisdom which they have, God is the one who gave them an insight into the body. But I'm just saying that there's limitation to this thing called viruses. You know, imagine when COVID came, all kinds of news. They would say this one today, two weeks, they would say, no, scratch it. What we said before was incorrect. And these are people who have spent decades of their life studying one thing. Do you understand what I mean? Do you know that? Have you thought about that before? We're not just talking medical doctors. No, they finished their med school. They did their, they did their residency. They did everything. They began to They now said, okay, I'm now going to focus on one thing, studying viruses. And they've been doing that for decades. And they can still come out and say this today and tomorrow change their mind. No, we didn't really get it accurate. It means that there's something about, you know, that they've not really conquered it. Do you understand that? Uh-huh. It has to do with the body. It's, why is, why, what makes viruses difficult to handle? Can you tell me? What is the main thing that makes viruses different from bacteria? And what makes things? Because is that they can do what? Uh, sir? That's replicating itself is one. That's not even the main thing. There's something key about viruses. Huh? It's the way they, can, they have the ability to attach to your own cells in your body. Yeah. It's the ability to attach to your, to your own cells. So it's difficult it's difficult for the immune system to even detect them and to fight against them. It's an intelligence. It's, it's, it's how it goes to join. When you see a, a viral, a, a bacteria is a living organism. Right? When you see a bacteria, a bacteria is a living thing. A bacteria can exist by itself. If you can just have a colony of bacteria, they will just be existing. They're actually organisms. A virus is not an organism. A virus is a law. Is a code. In fact, the virus can't live outside your body. Yeah. Once you bring it out, it's dead. It's actually not a living thing. It's actually a law that locks into your own cells. It's your cell that keeps it alive. Do you understand? So if you want to understand sin, understand viruses. I believe that maybe if a person will have the answer to viruses... I mean, physical viruses. It'll probably be somebody who has, whose mind has entered into an everlasting world. I, I feel the answer to that thing is an everlasting thought. That, that it, is, it, is, it has to be a thought without sin. That, has, that There's something about that thing that is similar to the operations of sin. And maybe God just put, allowed it so that we would have an idea what sin does to the soul. Praise Jesus. 
Praise God. So, there's, that virus thing is, the more I look at, think about vi- the way viruses behave, the more I just see similarities with sin. Right? I just see a lot of similarity with sin. Like a bacteria, you can, for the most part, you can introduce a foreign agent into your body, like antibacterial, that will go after the bacteria to help kill them, flush them out. But a virus doesn't work that way. A virus, your body must decide to reject them. You get So the only medicine you can take is something that can encourage you to, do you understand what I mean? To your own, your own body must eventually, it will, it's like a war. You have to wait. While you are waiting, you are coughing, you are doing everything, you are waiting. A war is going on inside of you. Is it, and you have to be praying, let my body win, let my body win. <laughs> this, that's what happened this COVID time. You see someone in the hospital, they put the help, we just helped you to breathe, put breathing something. Are you okay? Check you and all that. If your temperature is up, try and bring it down. And you have to wait. Doctors have to wait for your body to decide. Do you understand? That's the, it means your body must have gain strength to reject it. That's the way sin is. That's the way sin is. That is a, a war has to. So you have not yet um, resisted unto blood, striving against sin. That's Hebrews chapter chapter twelve. Praise God. Are you seeing that? Glory to God. So sin. So you see the way sin though acts. Um, that's the way. So the way viruses act. That's the way sin operates within the conscience. It goes down to the very fountain of life and it tampers with the laws there. So when you see, when you see as long as you haven't received the answer to sin, the wisdom to deal with sin, they will say this one is still with sin. Or maybe you can say this way, it's not without Sin. So that qualification of without sin, sin cannot be given to a, a man who only has just the image of Christ alone in him. You can't because a person who has just the image of Christ is somebody who has received the first appearance. Right? And when you say when you are numbering appearances. You have to number appearances according to the numbering of the Gospels, right? The, the first Gospel, is for, it brings the first appearance. The second Gospel brings the second appearance. Do you see that? The first Gospel does what? Which Gospel is that? The Gospel of Christ or? Or the Gospel of what? Isaiah 52? Or the gospel of peace, right? The gospel of peace, it, that gospel of peace, praise God, is the, is the gospel that brings the, the first word, appearance. It's a, it's a gospel of appearance. Another word for appearance is the, is the um, amen. amen. It is the news. It's news that brings appearance. Right, is the news when you say appear, it wasn't there before, it just came. I'm just seeing the appearance, so 
is news. So the gospel, the good news, is the news that brings an appearance, right? It's a kind of appearance which is in the Lord. Praise Jesus. But the, that, so the good news, let me say, the good news of the published peace is the appearance that is unto peace. Right? It's the first appearance, it's unto peace. But when peace has been attained, are you getting me? Peace, that word peace is like a, it's a state that commends the second appearance. Do you see that? The, the peace is what? It's a state that what? That commends the what? The second appearance. And then the second appearance is unto salvation. It is without sin, unto salvation. Without sin, what? Unto. Without sin, unto salvation. Praise God. Um, thank you, Jesus. Um, so, um, this thing called um, pushing into this place of um, glory to God. That an appearance that is without sin. It is, and there's an appearance without sin that takes the soul into salvation. Right? That appearance is what will do what? Take the soul. It means that the, the, the soul will have to begin to see and before it comes into the state of being without sin, it must have had an appearance without sin. Praise Jesus. Do you get what I mean? Before it comes to a place where it's without sin, it must have had what? It must have had an appearance without sin. Now, what, what am I trying to What am I saying? I'm just, amen. amen. I'm saying that um, it is, the purpose of appearance is to is for to bring, is for to, is to receive. Right? I will come again and then receive you unto myself. Right? I will come to you again and then I will do what? I will receive you unto, so that where I am, there, what, there you may be also. Praise Jesus. So that appearance is for to receive, is to receive. Amen. Amen. So, that the appearance, so where you want to go, there must be an appearance from there. Right? An appearance must come. So, any soul, so being without sin is, will follow engaging or receiving an appearance of him that is without sin. Right? It is when you, it is true beholding of him that is with us, that's the law of the spirit, if you want to become behold. Right? That is, is a kind of, is a particular kind of thing that you must see. That thing is what they call the perfect law of liberty. Right? That real perfection, the real perfection is perfection, is the realm without sin. Right. Did you understand what I mean? The realm what? <laughs> realm without sin. Perfection means without sin. 
right? Another word for perfection. Perfection means, means that it is. It is. It aligns with the, with the glorious with a glorious configuration. It's, it is it is in alignment with glory. The, the glory of God. It's, it's praise God in praise God. Thank you. In Hebrews chapter two, became him by whom and for whom are all things in bringing many sons, bringing them to glory than to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. See, perfect. Aha. Uh-huh. He made him perfect to make the captain. Who is the captain? Who do they see? We see Jesus. Right? That, we, we dwelt on that a little bit. That seeing Jesus, that one is, is, is a particular sight. Who was made a little lower than the angels? A little lower. Say a little lower. Than the angels, and then crown, crown with glory and honor, and all that you should taste death for him. Praise God. So, you see that that captain who should be seen, because that's what a captain, a captain is an example, but not just an example in terms of, oh, that's the example of that. No, it's an example that, that you cannot, you should not escape. It's an example for you, it's an example with sort of a demand upon you to obey. That's why he's a captain, your captain. He marshals you, he makes you, you follow his example. He, has, he can command you to follow. There's something incumbent upon you to follow the example. So that captain of your what? Salvation. So the, it means the captain of salvation is him who can, who can take you onto salvation. Right, who can take you where? On to salvation. Is the captain of salvation. And that captain, the Bible says, was made perfect. Right, through suffering. So that captain is the one who has to appear the second time without sin. On to salvation. Praise Jesus. Are you seeing that? Without sin where? On to salvation. So, when you are sin, so going into a world without sin actually means going into the realm of glory. It's going into the world of glory. Going into, why did I say that? Can you, can you, you should see why I say it. Because anything be, with sin comes short of the glory. Now when I say glory, glory is a, is a general word. A lot of these phrases are general phrases, but when, but you have to watch here. They didn't say all have sin and come short of glory. Someone can be with sin and have some glory. There are glory of different kinds. There's one glory of the sun, glory of the moon, glory. First Corinthians chapter 15. There are all kinds of glory in every realm. Angels have their glory. Man has all kinds of glory. But this is talking of the glory of God. It's specific. This Romans chapter 3 verse 23. All have sinned and what? Come short of the glory. The priest has his glory. The Levite has his own glory. They all have their glories. Praise God. But only one of them is a partaker 
of the glory of God. Only the high priest has access, has right to, to the place of the glory of God. Are you seeing that glory of God? Is what seen makes one come short of. Praise Jesus. So it's then clear that to bring sons to glory, you must deal with their sin problem. Right? In, it became him by whom and for whom are all things. In bringing sons. So in the process of bringing sons for the purpose of bringing sons to glory. Which means that bringing sons to glory also means removing their sin. Or what making them without sin. Or taking them above sin. So in doing that, you have to make their captain perfect for the purpose of example, right? Which is, you must make an example of the kind of perfection which they ought to obtain. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Praise Jesus. Glory to God. So it means that the, the way they would do it is through appearance, right? Say appearance. appearance. So appearance, what kind of appearance is appearance without sin? Say without sin. Without uh-huh. sin. Appearance without sin. That must happen. It must, the example which you will see to come to glory, it has to be an example without sin. They have to make the heart find a way to see examples of stature, of a man, of a being without sin. It's easy to see. It's not easy to see. All our sin of Jesus is not, is not without sin. Most of every, our sin is not easy. It's another kind of a, an appearance for him to appear again without sin. Are you understanding me? So I I say, ah, Pastor, what do you mean? You mean that there is an appearance with sin? Yeah, there's an appearance with sin. When you are learning the doctrine of Christ, sin is sitting down beside you. There is sin that is there. Do you understand me? And you are learning the the nature of Christ. Then when you are learning Christ, in in the curriculum of Christ, there are invisible world of sin that that curriculum is not waging war against. Am I, are you getting what I'm trying to say? They are what? Invisible word? That that, just looking at the nature of Christ alone, I mean that image of Christ alone, right? It's, there are some things that it will, it will, it will. Christ is interesting. Christ is like... Um, Christ can, Christ can appear in a sinful context. He is not sinful, but I'm saying in a sinful environment, Christ, you can, you can bring him in him. Christ can, Christ can be taught. Um, with Christ can be taught or Christ can be 
communicated. I, I have to say it in such a way you understand me and I shouldn't make mistake and then say what you will not you will take and then what I'm not really saying. Amen. Amen. Praise Jesus. The image of Christ um, just the school or what we call the school of Christ or you can call it the school of, of the priesthood. Right? The, the school of what? Uh-huh. The school of the priesthood. The representation of the life which the priest is seeing, the life that they are trying to paint to the priest, that life is not completely above sin. <coughs> Thank you. The life which they are, they are just trying to teach, to show the priest, is a life that is not what? That is not, that is not completely above sin. What do I mean? That while the priest is living his life, sin can be living to a degree. Then why is that? It means that what was being taught to the priest did not, did not completely remove all the the loopholes and the places that sin can stay. So when you say, let's, if you take one thought of a priest and say, priest, you know, the priest's mouth should keep knowledge. We should find the word law from his mouth. No, so in terms of when this, a priest resolves his law and take one thought of a priest, that thought of a priest might not be fully without sin. Even though he's obeying the law of priesthood, but it might not be fully what? Without sin. Glory to God. <clears throat> what do I mean by that? That it can still give a, a little room for his life to still be present. Do you agree with me? You don't agree? This is the question I would ask you. If they take the, the image of Christ, full image of Christ, and, take, and put him inside your soul, can he feel your soul? He can't feel your soul. And if he's not feeling your soul, it means you'll be doing him and some other things. What are the other things that you'll be doing? Are the things that he is not designed to take care of? 
So he will be there with sin. Not that he's sinful. Do you, do you understand my, my explanation? So my point is that there are things that just the learning of the Christ nature alone doesn't have the, it's not designed to take care of some things. There has to be, you must then receive schooling. There must be something that tops him up. Right, there must be something, that, there's something around that must top him up. Right, that thing that you, that you must put on, on him. Right, there's something that, that must be put on him to fully deal with sin. It is that that work is the work is the laying of the sure foundation. <clears throat> the laying of the what? So what is the sure foundation? The sure foundation is the foundation within the soul for the glory of God. Do you understand me? That is the next thing that comes out after preciousness. Right, it's the sure foundation. Therefore, thus said the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone. Then what a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not what? Shall not make haste. Praise God. That word, building a sure foundation in his soul can only be done by the seeing of things that are from the perfect realm. Things that are from the perfect world. But any soul, no soul will have a sure foundation in them if they've not been able to think thoughts without seeing. Right? They've not, they've not been able to subject you for some time to some kind of thought. That's when, sometimes when you, so you begin to tamper with this thing, you see soul, there's something about such a such thought that shake men and weary the soul. You know, this was where the, they journeyed into and the Hebrews began to get weary, right? And they, when they began to say, of whom we have many things to say, right? So Melchizedek, so Melchizedek, right, is the king of righteousness, king of peace, right? He's the king of righteousness, then king of, this Melchizedek, king of Salem, Right, the word Melchizedek means king of righteousness. That's the first part of his name. Then, king of Salem. That's the second part of his name. Then the last one is what priest. Those are three three names in him. Right. So when you hear Melchizedek, you just say, ah, the king of righteousness. But you don't know that that king of righteousness has two other names inside of him. Now. I, I believe they didn't get dull of hearing when they were teaching the first name, Melchizedek. Then when they began to teach King of Salem. But the, when they began to now unveil him as the priest of the Most High God, that part is where dullness came in. Dull of hearing, right? 
verse 11 of Hebrews 5, it says, of whom we have many things to say and what hard to be. What makes it hard to be altered? Seeing you are what? Dull of hearing. Praise Jesus. For which time you ought to be teachers? You have one, you have, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need, I won't teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and I become such as have need of milk and not of what? Strong meat. So you ask me, what is strong meat? Strong meat is a kind of meat. Is meat without sin. That's what makes it strong. It is hard to, to chew. It's not easy to chew meat without sin. That has no sin inside of it. Just to be chewing and masticating meat without sin. You say, no, where is the sin with it? The sin, what is the sin? The sin is a kind of sweetness that is unhealthy. Can you glaze the meat with something that should make it easy? Praise God. Are you getting what I'm saying? Can you, can you, or can you, praise God. Glory to Jesus. So, but strong meat is tight. It's not loose. It's not porous. There's no space for sin. It's, when meat that is soft is more porous than meat that is strong. When you remove, when a meat that is strong is compact, that when you check it, it just, it's meat, 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 meat. There's no gap for anything. It's just pure meat, meat. It's, all the content of it is meat. That's what is strong meat, right? Just meat of the world is not just meat. It's meat with some space. And then you find out that when you are eating meat with some space, most li- likely what fills the space are things that are not really of the meat. There are other things that are around that thing. Are you getting what I'm saying? Then you don't see when someone is eating that meat that is not strong meat, and they say, wow, I love it. Sometimes the love is not fully. You, you, there's some love for them, but there are other things too that can be... Do you understand what I'm saying? Glory to Jesus. So when you are learning Christ, Christ, which is the the teaching of the word of righteousness or the meat, right, of the word. When you are learning the meat of the word, it's not the meat of the word doesn't just talk to you, doesn't talk to you about God, pure God. It will not. The meat of the word will tell you, talk to you, but how can you be godly? It's not the same thing. <laughs> but you being God is a mighty curriculum. It's not easy for you to even, because that's a very spiritual thing, to think about you being godly. It's actually, you must change your entire fashion, the entire use of your life. Your, things must be broken. Things must be redefined. A godly man is not an ordinary person. Right? Christ is a godly man. Some things, they are, you must have changed completely. Are you getting what I'm saying? But... You will not find that the word that makes a, a godly man, that word must have space for man. Yes, 
there. It must have, it must have, it's not a word that without space for man. There is a difference between man and God. Praise Jesus. Are you saying that must have what space? But the thing with that thing that has space for man is that that man is corruptible. Mm. Only God is incorruptible. Man is what? (laughs) Man is corruptible. Only God is what? So so the, the corruptibility of Let's say a person who, is, who has some measure of Christ, the corruptibility in them is not the Christ in them that's corrupt, that's the corrupt uh-huh, that where the corruption latches to. It's the space which the Christ in them still permits. That corruption can still tag on to the soul because of that space which is still allowed in the season of Christ or in the meat of the word. So it means that when Christ, you're learning the doctrine of Christ, Christ will not remove all the thought of man from you. But rather, what Christ will eradicate is worldly thought. Right? It's, it's worldly what? It's worldliness. Can remove worldliness, but there's still something called man. It's called nature. There's something called man. Say man. There's something called man that is corruptible. Say corruptible. It might not be corrupt at the moment, right? Because that corruption that is introduced is called the corruption that is in the world through lusts, right? In, in the book of First Peter, right? We might escape the corruption that is in the world through what? There's corrupt, the corruption that's in the world. And when you are able to deal with the world and its corruption, it doesn't mean that the man is incorruptible. Yeah. Right? When you deal with a man's corruption that is in the world through loss, which is what Christ is powerful to do, Christ will damage every loss inside of a man and remove it and cleanse them out. But you find out that that man, if the man stays with his Christ and doesn't do anything with his nature that is still corruptible. After a while, that nature can latch up onto corruption again. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It's, a, it's something that you have to... God has to help your heart to see what I'm saying. You, 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 when you become godly, a godly man can be corrupted. A godly man can be corrupted if he doesn't press on to deal with the nature of man that is in that he has. That nature of man is what corruption. That's what Satan saw when he came to Eden. He didn't see Adam wasn't a corrupt fellow. God didn't create a corrupt fellow. God didn't create a corrupt person. God just created man, but who is corruptible? Then the devil came and designed his corruption for him. And, and they were designed, made it very customized. And then he took the corruption. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So it's not enough to remove the corruption. After dealing with the corruption that was introduced, 
you still have to now have to now begin to deal with the problem of the man, which is the original, original problem which God was meant to deal with when he created man in the garden. So the place of so Eden was not a place to deal with lust. It wasn't for to deal with your lust or for carnal. There was no carnality in Eden. There wasn't lust. There wasn't pride. What was it prideful of? of? Pride of life was not in Eden. Lust of the eyes was not in Eden. Lust of the flesh was not in Eden. When, I mean, when God initially, aha, uh-huh, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't expressed. You couldn't find it there. It was only there on a tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which Satan had to come and preach for man to take. Are you understanding? Uh-huh. So, say without sin. So it means that Eden was a place that was designed for, Eden is without sin school. Right? When you say Eden, Eden means what? Without sin school. Without sin school. It's a school that ensues when sin has been taken away from the conversation. That then, then what is the next thing to deal with after you've dealt with sin? You have to deal with nature of man. You have to deal with what? The nature of man. You have to deal with the nature. That's something that... So, for, so you need... To deal with sin, you need a power. It's a power. It's simple. Christ is just a power. Sin is a foreign entity. To, so you just need a power to go and get that thing out. Knock it off. Cleanse it out of the man. Right? You need a power to deal with sin. But you need a nature to deal with nature. Right? That was what Peter was teaching in First, first Peter chapter 1. Right? You need the, the divine power and the divine nature. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and what godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory. Him that has called us is through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Praise God. So that divine power, let's go on. Verse 4 of of 2 Peter chapter 1 says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be what? Partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Am I making some sense to you? Whereby are given to us what? Exceeding great and what? Precious promises. Exceeding great and precious promises that these... That by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having having escaped the corruption. The, all these tenses in the Bible, they don't. The Holy Ghost was very careful with them. So nobody can partake of divine nature if you have not escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So that corruption that is in the world is. Talking about sin in that is in the world. By one man's disobedience, sin what? Entered. But the man was there before sin. So there was a time that there was no sin. What was there was just left with the man and his nature. 
that was what was in Eden before, just the man and his word. Now, there was still a problem of that nature, but that was a problem that Eden was meant to solve. Right? There was just man and his nature. But then, through his disobedience, sin entered the world. And then what? Death through what? Sin. So you ask me, what is sin? Sin is a pollutant. What is death? Death is the nature of sin. Yes. Sin is a pollutant. Or sin is a corruption. That, that is a corruption. Why is it corrupting? It's the corruption to deliver a nature. All right, it's for, it's for a nature. So, sin is the corruption that should produce what the nature of, of death. Yes. It's to produce the nature of death. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say to you? Uh-huh. So, so, after you have dealt with sin, you must deal with nature. That must occur. You must deal with sin. And you must deal with what? In the nature which seems what, what meant to corrupt, to bring. So, so you now realize that after you've dealt with sin, you might expect that after sin, you now go back to Eden and you now find the nature which God created. No. 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 So, the, so Christ doesn't bring you back to Eden fully. Or it doesn't, it's not just like bringing back to Eden in that sense of uh-huh. after they've dealt with the sin in a man, you now discover that there's a nature that which the sin that was in him was doing all those times. That that nature is called death. That nature is called what? Is called death. Death is greater than sin. But when you say when you say death, now this is an interesting thing. You have to think of death a certain way. Don't think of death like sin. <laughs> yeah. Don't think of death like sin. You understand? You have to think, otherwise you won't get the, 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 the thing. You now you realize that when you've entered inside the most holy, they are still dealing with something called death. Inside the most holy. Inside the most holy place. And, and to deal with death, you must enter the most holy because only the most holy, because death is everlasting. Yes. Do you understand what I mean? There was, you must be, uh, only the communication of perfect things can deal with death. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So when we're talking about this most holy thing, most holy, it is, um, there is, there are, praise God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. <clears throat> the Bible says that the last enemy that will be destroyed is death, right? Why would Adam need tree of life if there is no death present in some form? I'm just trying to say some things to you. God created the man, breathed into his nostril, breath of life, he had life, and then gave him tree of life. Does that make some sense to you? Yes, that there is still some kind of... So, so think of death. There's a way you have to think of that thing called death. Death. Right. Mm. So death is not an invention of Satan. Yeah. It's not an invention of what? Of Satan. Death just means separation. Gap. All right. Ilabeshi, shilika kukwa, 
Discovered what he, he, he going to say invented, but what he found was something very, very devastating and something very bad um, in terms of its its effect, its impact, what it can do, the the scale of damage, right? That what he found could do. Um, sin, the power of sin, what is called of serial power, I don't want to use the word power of sin, more of the, the danger of sin is not just in its power, it's in its potential. It's not just in its power, it's in its what? The danger, in other words, why you should be afraid, not afraid, but why you should be, you should be 
careful and flee right from any from sin why you should be concerned about sin it's not alone just about what is doing it's where what it this what it can where it can take you to right it's where it can end up that is the that is what actually makes sin dangerous the danger of sin is where sin can end up. When the Bible says that the sting of death is sin, and then the strength of sin in the law, you see that the death whose sting is sin is not everlasting death, it's eternal death. I mean, the, the serpent in who you find sin is not just an everlasting thing, an eternal thing. So, to explain, <coughs> sin is to, the power of sin is, sin is able to move a person into an eternal state of death. That's the end of sin. Right, it's that sin can take the soul to a death that has no remedy. That's where Satan got to, that he now brought it and gave it to man. Do you get what I'm saying? There is a difference between a death that has an everlasting sort of nature versus a death that is eternal. If there's eternal life, there's eternal death. Right. So, there's death that, that what you call eternal death is the death that is, that has an eternal strength. That if this kind of death occur, there is no Nothing in the present nor in the future that can solve the problem of that death. Yes. That eternal death. There's nothing in the future that can solve that eternal death. But that eternal death is the wages of sin. Is this, they will say, the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. Is the death not eternal? So, the death that is stinging, that who has sting as his venom, is eternal death. It's an eternal thing that is using sin in the present now to, to get souls. Do you, get, do you get what I'm trying to say? I'm trying to differentiate between some things. For you. You see that that what you call eternal death is the real death that is God's enemy. Do you understand? Uh-huh. It's, it's all, another way to put eternal death is death in an, in an eternal state. Do you understand? Uh-huh. Death in an eternal state. That's the one that is that God, that is what God wants to save you from. That's what 
where God doesn't want any man to get to. You should never have death in an eternal in a, what? In an eternal state. Death in an eternal state. But that's where sin is going to. Praise God. Like, so I, I said death. Death is like a separation. Is a, is a separation. So it means that the death in an eternal state will bring an eternal separation from life. Right? And anything that is eternal can never be broken. There's nothing you can use to break an eternal thing or to stop an eternal thing. Right? That's, that's where, that's the problem. And that's where sin is heading to. Praise Jesus. Now, now but speaking about death as a as a, as a concept or death as in terms of death being a gap of some sort with respect to a life. Do you understand? When you speak about that, you now realize that that thing existed even before Satan came. Do you get me? That thing does what? Aha, uh-huh. they existed before Satan came. What is that death? That is just a, the, the, that death is a gap in in the in laws. It's a gap in life. Death is a gap in life. You can tell very clearly that there's a gap between the life Adam was living in Eden and the life that God was presenting to him. That death, that that gap is a kind of death. Do you see that? Yes, sir. That, that life is what? Is a kind. That state is, is a kind of death. It's a kind. Uh-huh. But that one is a death that they solve in the presence of God. Do you see? Are you seeing me? That one is the death that what you call that God's presence is designed to solve. That, and that kind of death is not a small thing. That kind of death is a big problem. It's everlasting in nature. It's a kind of death that, that only the presence of God can solve. There was nothing below that, below that provision of God's own presence or what is inside the tree of life that can solve that problem problem of the kind of separation that still existed between Adam and God. Do you understand what I'm, what I'm trying to say? Uh-huh. Praise God. So that, that one is the if you take God, God has to begin to unveil his own things, his own works, right, to the soul, to teach the soul. That unveiling of those works is the teaching of the divine nature, right? The teaching or the giving of the divine nature to man, God's own nature to man, the, the purpose of the divine nature is to, re- 
is to bring man into um, a higher state, right, where man has completely, it's, the, it's, the, it's like the bridging of a gap, right, where death has been completely swallowed up in victory, right, where death has been completely eradicated. At that point, do you say that that person now has a life, right, which is the life of God himself, that life of God is a nature called the divine nature. Are you seeing that? Uh-huh. So, so that life that is called the divine nature, right, is a life. The divine nature is a nature that is completely um, that is completely that has fully overcome death. Right? Uh-huh. When it comes to, you see, nature of the divine, uh-huh. when you have fully bridged the gap with God's nature, that is what you call, uh-huh. the person has become, has received what? The divine nature. Amen. Amen. Now, that divine nature um, is Praise Jesus. To, to come into that school, the realm where they, they teach the soul, that nature, they have to change the conversation and bring in another conversation. Praise Jesus. When they, in that place, to arrive at the, the, that school of nature, there is a particular, um, you must bring the soul through a door, through a way that the soul, um, that the soul of man would not normally take, which is, um, it's a different way entirely from, let's say, the way which sin opens up to a soul, to the soul, because sin is the actual constructor of a way for the soul. Mm-hmm. Right? When sin will sin, what sin does is to create access. Sin is access. It's a kind of access. If you, are, if you prosper with sin, you will gain access to something. Right? When you use sin very well, the more you prosper with sin, sin is, is purchasing an access for you. Right? It's a, it's a man's gift. Make it way for him. Sin is also a gift. If the gift of God is eternal life. Sin uh-huh, is also, you know, is a, someone can have sin the way you, like, your, like a talent. Like sin is actually something that you, you use. It's for living. It's for life. Right? So, but sin is for to, 
create a way to destruction. Right, that is a, a way that sin paves for the soul. You know, you just don't worry, keep doing it. Just keep going, keep going. When, you, when the soul continues with sin, it will create a way. Are you getting me? Uh-huh, for the soul. So, I just want to try and make us see something. That the prison for appearance without sin. That's all I want, to sh- I want us to see. That's the message for today. What, what appearance without sin is meant to do is to change the way of the soul. Is to, is actually, if you check the, your, your, the soul's journey, is the journey of the soul, the journey through, soul journeys through ways. Right, they are, they are way, but when you check spiritually, there are two parallel ways. Right, two parallel ways. One of them is leading to destruction, or what you call, what I was describing as our eternal death, which is, that's the, it's called the way of sin. The Bible calls it the way of sin, right? Amen. The way of sin is that, that way that leads to destruction. But then there is, there is another way, right, which is a different way that, um, that God wants to bring every soul to partake of. It's, it's a way that, is, of course, it's a way of righteousness, right? But that way has different levels of prosperity or different levels of advancement, right? The way of righteousness will, will get, when you think about a soul living the way of sin, the soul cannot fully live the way of sin. You know, for almost everybody, especially if you have come into the world of righteousness, you gain access into the way of righteousness. But it doesn't mean that they've closed the way of sin. So I'm telling you, concerning ways within your, the soul, coming into finding the way of righteousness doesn't translate to them shutting down the way of sin inside the soul. A soul can have two ways in them, and for while you are still on the journey to your perfection, you find you find those two ways will be there, and each way can be calling to you. So there is only one thing. That can that closes the way to destruction or to eternal death or that thing called the way of sin. The only thing that can close that door is when another and the soul has fully received an appearance. The, or let me put it this way: the reason for the appearance without sin is to shut the way. Of sin. It's to close the way. That the reason is that they want the soul to get to a point where it no longer sees the way of sin anymore. That thing can occur. They will blind, it's to make the soul, it's a kind of blindness to the way of sin. That blindness is a type of virginity of the soul. It's what when you say a virgin, who they, who they, they speak of as virgins are uh, 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 people 
to whom the way of sin has been shot, who, are, who have become, these are virgins. Virgins are those who have fought. To them, when you check inside their soul, they can no longer find the way of sin anymore. They've shot, so virginity is like, is a veil, the closing of a veil. To them, that is a shutting of a way. Right, so, to, so to get to, to a point where you are a virgin soul, it means that you might have gotten to a point where they've closed what? The way uh, of sin. Praise God. Now, when you close, there's a, there is a way. The reason why they have to shut the way of sin is because there is a way that never will not open up until the way of sin has been closed. They will be watching. They want to open another way. You already have a way of righteousness, but they will say that this way of righteousness, when you are joining, you will jam an obstruction called a veil in the spirit, which they will, it will begin after a while, that way will begin to oppose you. Right? The same way of, that has been calling you, the way of righteousness you've been coming, come, learn righteousness, become separated, become sanctified. It's in that way you got your separation. In that way you got your sanctification. You would journey, you get you not get to a point where the way begins to oppose you. And if you ask the way, why are you opposing me? You say that I still see the other way open. That before you got to this point, you were, you can be you can have both ways open. And sometimes we check, sometimes you you jump. But you must get to a point where we can be satisfied that you no longer touch the unclean thing. That is and the only thing that will stop you from that is that you can't. You you get to a point where you don't have another, you don't have another option of moving to another way, the way of the unclean. That is the other way. Are you getting what I'm saying? Is actually that thing called virginity is something in the soul. It's a kind of operation. So when you say who is a virgin soul, is a soul to whom the way of sin has been closed, that they don't longer see the way of sin. Do you get what I'm saying? It's for is for to gain an further furtherance in the way of righteousness. So when the soul gets to a particular that point and it is a ministry, those two things are opening. When they are, they are closing the way of sin, there's a way that, that is opened up. It's called the new and living way. Right? That is, what's the new and living way? Is the way into the holiest. The way into what? Into the holiest. The way, the way into the holiest will not be open fully until they are able to close the way of sin. Because that what I explained what holiest means. That holiest means without sin. Without sin. Or most holy means what? Without sin. So the appearance without sin is to do two things at the same time. Is to shut the way of sin in a soul. Do you see that? How, how do you shut the way of sin in a man? You must introduce the man to a new, a new meditation that doesn't have sin inside it. Right? And this is the difficulty for souls. That when you begin to talk a certain way, how do I mean when you begin to remove sin from talk and they give it to soul, sometimes the soul can be difficult to take that. 
It's not an easy thing to take such a conversation. Right? But it's necessary at a certain point that you begin to accept a conversation that is what pure, purely glorious. Now when I say purely glorious, I mean it is a pure conversation of hidden things, right, that are of another nature, right, hidden things of another nature or the divine nature, praise God. When they begin to speak those things, right, uh-huh, that is the appearance that happens without sin. In Hebrews chapter 10, um, quickly, Verse 15, very quickly, Hebrews 10, verse 15, it says that wherefore the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, right? For after that he had said before that this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I do what? Write them. And then, and their sins and iniquities will I what? Remember no more. Is he just talking about his own memory that I won't remember? The word remember means I will not be seeing it. Yeah. Of course, sin is not inside God's mind. It's not inside mind. It's inside you. You are the one that reminds him of the sin. Right? You are the one. It is when you you can't come to this place where his sin and your sin and iniquity he will remember no more if you still have that thing called conscience of sin, right? They must remove that thing called the conscience of sin is the ability of the soul to still see way. You know that the conscience is where way springs from, right? The conscience, the depth of the heart, that's where way is the word, spring from. So that's now our same way of sin. It's not just something that out there. It's something here. It's an inward way. Sin, the way which sin paves in the soul, an inward way, it's in the depth, rising from the depth of the heart of the person. You see, you see what I mean? So as long as that way is open, that thing is called, the person still has conscience of sin. Right? But when this thing has happened, that verse 14, said, by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. So by, when they have been sanctified, there is that what we call perfecting forever through a particular offering. And whereof means concerning that offering, the Holy Ghost also is a witness for us. For after that, he has said before, then this is the covenant, you see what he's saying? I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and then their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Right? For now, where remission of this is, there is no more what? Offering. They are speaking specifically about Offering for sin. That this concludes the, the matter of sin. That's the, the, there's part of the offering that is offering for sin. Jesus is not only offering offer for sin, he also offered for death. Too. So that two things that he needs to deal with, sin and death. But there's a portion that deals with sin. So here they are speaking about ending the, the thing of sin. So where there's remission of these, there's no more what offering for sin. So you now say that that thing about ending of sin, that's where the conversation of the holiest starts from. 
so verse 19, it says then, then having therefore. So therefore is based on ending what? That conscience of sin. Verse 19, you now give you a boldness to enter into the word holiest by what? By the blood of Jesus. How would you enter? It's by a new and a living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say what? That is to say his flesh. And verse 21, having an high priest over the house of God. So before this point, the soul, you wouldn't say that you have an, an high priest. I'm not saying you wouldn't have an high priest before. You, you have, everybody has a high priest. Jesus is your high priest, all of us who are Christians. Thank God for that. But they are, this is speaking about something. They're talking about an high priest over the house of God. He's talking about an high priest doing an office. So when you say an high priest, if you, if you see Aaron standing outside, sometimes he comes out to the courts instructing them, doing some things. At that point, when, a, when Aaron is standing outside, talking to the Levites to do this, put this here, at that point he's not standing as a high priest over the house of God. He's just doing, there are many things. He goes into the holy place, he does the lamp, there are many things he's doing. But when he talks about a high priest who is over the house of God, he's speaking about high priest doing high priestly function, which is to offer for his taking from among men in things pertaining to God, to offer gifts and what sacrifices for sins. Are you seeing that? So, when you have the high priest, it's just telling you this is where really the high priest that pertains to God's house, that's where his ministry begins. That when you come to the place of that ministry, that's the point you begin to draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from what? An evil conscience and what our bodies Wash with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is what? He's faithful. He's faithful that promise. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. Say, new and living way. Um, so this, the way that needs to open up, um, see it as the, um, as a, is a chain, like I said, way is not something external, right? It's a way that they need to open up within the heart. It's a way that needs to open. The way that you see sin is a way which sin leads the soul in, right? That way of sin, they can close that way within the heart and open up another way entirely. Right, which is a way without sin. But if they are opening up a way without sin, it means they, are, they will open up a, another kind of conversation that is without sin, another kind of meditation that is without sin, another kind of... If they are going to say, I will put my laws, this is a covenant I will make with them in the, after those days, say the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their what minds will I write them. I will put my laws 
into their hearts and then what in their minds will I write them. Um, so this um, conversation without sin is like something that every heart needs to press into. All right, you, need to, you need to press into and, and invite it, right? Um, one place, it said to them that look for him, which he, will he do what? To them that look for him, shall he appear the second time without what? Without sin. So that appearance is tied to looking for him. Is an attitude. It's the opposite attitude to, or to being dull of hearing. Right? That's the, the opposite of being dull of hearing. That, uh, because there's, there's a lot that can cause dullness of hearing in the season when um, the soul should be looking for him. What does it mean to look for something? It means that it's not just clearly apparent, right? That's why it's called an appearance. It's like it wasn't there. You don't see it. So you can look for what you are not seeing, right? These, the hearts that this appearance without sin will occur to, it won't occur casually. That, you know, somehow uh, one day I just casually just started seeing without sin. It's an attitude. It's an attitude. It's not like how someone can get born again by mistake. I didn't even want to go. Someone just told me something just happened. All kinds of born again stories, right? Praise God. And even sometimes in, in the cause of Christ, there's a way God can be arranging things for you. You don't do somehow, they just, but there's something particular about this kind of season of where they want to shut the door of sin. There's an intentionality about that sin door. It will never shut to, to a soul because it involves, it involves something going away. Do you understand? Something, it won't go away if you are holding it and you are still, you are still fighting to keep it. Right? You must, you have resist unto blood, according to Hebrews 12, striving against sin. Right? There's something about that thing. Praise God. So it is, it's an attitude of looking, that if you don't look, like when they were speaking, John was speaking about it in First John, he says, said that thou creatures from the beginning which we have Heard which we have seen, we heard it and we saw it, and which we have looked upon till our hands handled. Are you seeing that? So that looking upon, when you are looking upon, looking upon is looking for. Right, you're looking upon means you are looking for for an appearance. It's actually an a, a appearance, you know, the appearance of the great God and Savior. That according to Titus, Titus put it that way. I was speaking concerning the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men and teaching them, denying ungodliness, worldly lusts, which live righteously, soberly, and godly in this present world, right? Looking for that blessed hope and then the glorious appearing of the great God and our what? Savior. You see, in this glorious appearing is appearance without sin. It's Talking of appearing from the realm of glory, his appearance without sin beyond the realm of the realm that is beyond the realm that beyond the world of sin, which makes men fall short of the glory. So to see the glorious appearance, nobody will see the glorious appearance of Jesus who did not 
have an attitude of looking for. Looking for. Say looking for. You will never see in this way. So somebody who is used to seeing with the lenses of seeing will never see without seeing. An appearance without seeing. If you don't look for it. It's like a kind of a... It's a kind of a you can even be, you can be in a meeting where they are preaching it, but you won't see it. It's like if you are... <laughs> just, it's being preached, but in the preaching... Your heart must look for it. If you don't look for it, there's a way that you will be look, you'll be hearing, but with a seen mind that it comes because and seen a seen mind can take some things and then to appropriate some things, but you will not be seen, right? Looking for that blessed hope. Are you seeing that? You're looking for that blessed hope. You're looking for that blessed. It's not easy to when you are you hearing a word, you are you are looking for the blessed hope. And you're looking for the glorious appearing. It's actually a kind of appearance without seeing that your, your heart will press into. Uh-huh. That's how to, to, to benefit from this kind of thing. You, you must see it gloriously. Right? You must have a sense. It's another nature. It's, it's like trying to see another kind of nature that is without seeing. It is the, it's the, the kind of eyes that tries to you're trying to behold the glorious, the divine nature of God. It means that there are many limitations in your mind that must be broken, that must fall off. It's, a, it's, actually, it's, also, it's a kind of war. It's not easy to look for Jesus. When it says look for him, looking for him. Hey, it's not easy. Oh. But it's for people who will choose not to be weak, who will choose to be strong, who won't just leave themselves like that for... Uh, it's so easy to to not look for, but it is. This is you've got, this is a season of lookers they that look at into the perfect law. He that looks into, look at at the perfect law, looks into the perfect law of liberty, and is a is a it's not a forgetful. As, but whoso looketh into the perfect the perfect law of liberty. And continue it therein. That word continue it means he continues looking. He's actually continuing in looking. It's not a forgetful here, but the door of the world. This man shall be then blessed in his deed. What is his deed? Is that deed of looking? You have to be a looker. You have to be a looker. That that passivity, that thing of, you know, your mind being everywhere, doing everything. Kai, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. <clears throat> um, that thing is a of not being serious. This is a this is a this is a this is an by when you get here, you must have taken this thing as a profession. Uh, looking, right? Like I was use the example of um, virologists and those people. Can you detect understand the virus passively? And yet, no, there's a way. The way you, there's a way you must. If you don't, they have to even invent special things called a microscope or something. I don't know what they use. Right? Can I look at you and see virus or even bacteria? I can't. There's the way I have to rearrange myself to look at you, to check. I will take your blood, check what is inside you, and I look. I, just looking at your red blood, can I see a virus or a bacteria? I cannot. It means there's apparatus for. It's called looking. 
If you look at that thing, even in science they have that. It's the same thing in your spiritual journey. If you don't do this thing, you will just be there. Nothing will be happening to you. You will hear in everlasting life, eternal life, this one, that one, and people will be changing. Those who have the secret of looking will be changing, but nothing. But God doesn't want anyone to be that way. Amen. Are you getting what I'm saying? Aha, uh-huh. the skill, this looking is a skill. Praise God. Is a um is what are you, what are you looking with? You're looking with your heart. You're looking with the eyes of your heart. Right? If you if you want to look, Holy Ghost will teach you. If you're really interested in looking. You know, when someone says sometimes, I don't I don't I don't hear, I don't understand. When I look at the soul, I'm seeing many things. Uh, m- most of the time. Is they don't want to understand. It's that they loved other things, but they were hoping that why loving other things by being around that this will still happen to them. Do you understand? That's what I see a lot of times when someone comes to tell me, I'm not really following these things. That one, that's what I see, that you're just doing other things. But it's very rarely do you see a soul that is really, really looking, intensely gazing with all of their heart, and the door will not be open to them. Praise God. There's, there are levels of thought. When you have looked at the law of the spirit of life in Christ, this and that one, looking at the perfect law, it's another way of looking. It's beyond the revelation of Christ. It's, your, it's looking into the perfect law. You begin to allow your, your mind to be at home with the thought of perfection. Right? See those thoughts about perfection? When they say oh, you can be imperfect, being without sin, don't shrink from it. You know that a re- reaction of, ah, not me, me, ah. This, you know those kind of things. You're not looking. If someone that looks, is, you must be able to look at it. You're not without sin yet, no. No, but you must look for him. He is the one that's without sin who will appear. It's via his appearance. You must see that nature in him. If you can't see the divine nature in his appearance, that nature will not, be, will not come on the inside of you. The Lord will help us. Um, Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you. Thank you. Or you will help our hearts, help our infirmities, help our weakness. You will give us strength. And you will give us grace. You will give us grace. You will give us, give us, teach us the wisdom of engaging our hearts. Teach us the wisdom of committing our hearts. Not just going through the motions. Not just doing the things that we are used to. But Father, teach us how to commit our hearts. And let allow our hearts, Lord, to look, to look, to look, to look, to look, to look, to look. And not get tired of looking into your perfect love. Thank you for strength that's coming to us, wisdom, power, grace that will continue to come to us. We give you glory. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. You dwells between the cherubim, shine for you dwells between the cherubim, shine for you. You dwells between the cherubim.